Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Monday edition of the Steve Jones Show is here. Glad you're here as well. News Radio 1070 WKOK and Sean Carey. Steve on his way into the Sunbury Motors studio. In just a moment, Sunbury Motors, Ford, Lincoln, Hyundai in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors, Kia on the Strip, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Monday edition of the Steve Jones Show, always brought to you by our great friends at Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com and check out all the great brands of products that you can get for your insurance needs. The brands you know and trust. So we are getting into spring cleaning, hopefully. (laughs) Now that we've had the time change, you just hope that warmer weather is coming, although we may be stuck near 40 for highs all this week. But you hear the term spring cleaning. Well, when was the last time you did some spring cleaning to your insurance policy? Do you know you have the right amount of coverage when you you have to tap into that? Well, the folks at Purdy Insurance will customize a plan for you, the coverage you need, the price that's affordable to you, and rest assured they will be there whenever life happens. That's Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury. And we are very excited about the annual Truman H. Purdy Memorial Golf Tournament returning to the Susquehanna Valley Country Club on Wednesday, May 2nd, and we will be there. Looking forward to that, the uh, annual benefit for the Greater Susquehanna Valley YMCAs. And sign-up information, be on the lookout for that coming soon. Our email is stevejones at wkok.com. Get in contact with us anytime. Steve Jones at WKOK.com. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Twitter handle at Steve Jones PSU. And also we invite you to subscribe to our Steve Jones Show podcast. Once we finish with the live show on WKOK, podcast drops usually by 6 p.m. Eastern every Monday through Friday. And when you subscribe, the shows will drop right into your smartphone and tablet. And you can also access three months of shows anytime on the archive page at SteveJonesShow.com. That's simple. A lot been going on in sports, including the Philadelphia Phillies making a bold move yesterday. Phillies and former Chicago Cubs pitcher Jake Arrieta, they have agreed in principle to a multi-year contract, three years, $75 million. Jake Arrieta will make $30 million year one, 25 year two, $20 million in year number three, and Arrieta can opt out of the contract after 2019. Arietta won the National League Cy Young Award with the Cubs in 2015, that year going 22-6. and 6. 
with a 1.77 ERA, has remained one of the best starters in baseball over the past two seasons, going 18-8 and with a 3.10 ERA. So, Phillies moving closer and closer to opening day, got pretty much what they wanted, and uh, also, and, uh, and Steve and I were going back and forth with this yesterday in regards to, uh, I got to thinking, wow, are the Phillies closer to a winning ball club? Are they now closer to a winning ball club? Is that the reason why they made the move? But also, this is a, a great mentoring move as well. Because still quite uh, quite a young roster of pitchers, and you bring in Arietta, be a great mentor for those kids. National Football League moving into free agency. That officially starts at 4 on Wednesday afternoon. And who is going to swoop in for Kirk Cousins? <laughs> the big name has been Minnesota. But yeah, now, big. in the mix could be Arizona. All right. Talk about fun. So one of four teams in the hunt for Cousins. All right. No offense to the Bucknell fans, but you didn't get a good matchup. <laughs> um, just didn't. Uh, Michigan State is not a good matchup for Bucknell. Now, I'll tell you an area where Bucknell has an advantage, and that is Michigan State turns the ball over a lot. That is something that is not... But they don't have a matchup. They're not going to have a matchup for Bridges. Okay, They're not going to have a matchup for him. They're not going to have a matchup for Jackson, but I will say this. Jackson blocks shots, but when I watch him, and I mean, I've watched him courtside, what, three games now this season? I know the NBA is looking for the length. They're looking for the athleticism. He's got that. But he disappears for long stretches in games. Um, and they don't have the matchup on the bench. Nick Ward can get into. Nick Ward will get the ball in the post. He will rarely pass it out of the post. So in other words, once the ball goes to Nick Ward, you can double and defend him because he's he wants to go up with it. Um, Cassius Winston and Bram will be a great matchup. Cassius Winston's going to have problems with Stephen Brown. He will. When Tum Tum Nairn comes in the game, Nairn will bring quickness. He will be a pest, but Michigan State also plays four on five offensively when he's out there. He's not a good offensive player. Langford has improved his offensive game since last year. He is a wing shooter. Winston has really improved his offensive game in a year. But they can bring Gavin Schilling and Kenny Goins off the bench. Tillman, good freshman, off the bench. But you have 155 career starts coming off the Michigan State bench. I think we have now properly outlined the issues. Now, what issues will Michigan State have with Bucknell? 
not a Fallon, is a shot blocker. Um, he is... Um, trying to think... I would think Nata Fallon is as good a shot blocker as Mike Watkins is. I think that'd be fair. And Watkins has done fine against against them. The problem is is that they come at you in waves, and Bridges is not that typical inside player. Bridges is, an, is really more of an outside player. Bridges is also very unselfish. He will pass the ball. Tom Izzo has had to repeatedly tell Bridges to be more selfish out there with the ball. But when you can bring Goins off the bench, Gavin Schilling off the bench. Now, Ben Carter didn't play against Penn State, and I don't recall him playing in New York. Xavier Tillman played a lot more. And then there's Tum-Tum. Tum-Tum, you're playing four-on-five offensively when Tum-Tum's out, out there. I mean, to be honest with you, you had to worry about him driving, but you don't have to worry about him scoring. I mean, really. I mean, if you worry about him scoring, then... Then you got greater problems than they think. Um, but that's what they are. They've got length, they've got quickness, and they've got the home court too. I mean, I mean, they will be at home. Yeah, it was great to hear the news that oh, Bucknell only has to go to Detroit, uh, but mm, short road trip for the other team. So you talk about Sparty's length. Would that, would that? Well, the, the the problem with length is is Ward. Okay, it'd be one thing if they just had Bridges and they had Jackson. But when you put Ward into the mix, and Ward, by the way, you can get into foul trouble. I mean, Ward gets a little he's a, he's a little too physical. He gets a little too emotional. He you know. Um, you can get him, you can get him on the bench, but the problem is when you put Ward on the bench, they bring in Schillinger Goins. Yeah, I was going to so ask. So they're you, not exactly bringing in. They're bringing in somebody who would be first team All Patriot. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you about foul trouble, but flip it to the other the other side of the coin. With that length that Sparty has, uh, would one of their goals would be to get uh, Nana Fallon in early foul trouble and be a you know, physical presence in the paint. Well, they, I mean, to a point, I don't think they're sitting there worrying about getting anybody in the foul trouble. Uh, I will say this. I think Zach Thomas will get to the foul line enough, and like he usually does. I don't think that's an issue. Uh, they're going to have to hit some outside shots against this team, kind of loosen them up a little bit. And the other part, too, that's going to make it very difficult for Nathan Davis and his staff, very difficult. Nathan prepares his teams really, really well, really well. Meticulous preparation. In a short turnaround Michigan State is a very, very tough team to get ready for because Tom Izzo loves special teams. He has a lot of plays he runs on baseline out-of-bounds. He has a lot of plays that he runs on sideline out-of-bounds. Tom Izzo is looking to score on almost every base OB. Tom Izzo is looking to score in almost every sideline OB. And he's got a he's got a thick playbook. He even has a play where he tries to score off the opening tap. Okay? I mean he's I mean he has he has all this there where you know to prep and get ready for them 
Nathan and his staff are just going to have to pick and choose what they think are the more popular picks because he does not have a standard base OB play. He does not have a standard, like, this is the one we'd like to run, sideline OB play. They have a, a thick playbook that they use baseline, sideline, which when they get into tournament play, the preparation is not easy for them because you just have to really pick out the ones you think are the favorites based on what the tape is telling you with the idea he has the ability to go something else. I'd be curious to learn more about the uh, opening play that uh, that Izzo has. It would be kind of something oh, similar to like the, a, the, like a, like an out-of-bounds catch-and-shoot at the no, end of a game? The, the opening play is the tip going forward, and they run a play off of it. They try to get a fast break off the opening tip. In other words, they send it forward, and off the forward, they try to get into a two-on-one situation if they can. Now, they haven't used it that often, but I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen it in person. Hey, that that play exists. And, uh, I mean, but that's that's just one play. That's the start of the game. It's the only time you're going to have, have a tip, unless it's overtime. I'm just saying they they are not an easy team to get ready for because of the number of of special teams plays that they run. Now, when they get into into the you know the movement and the passing and the shooting, I mean you know you know that part. But they look to score on ba- uh, base OB. They look to score on sideline OB. They've got specific plays. They run sets. Now, conversely, is is Bucknell a difficult team for Michigan State? Yeah, because Thomas is an X-factor guy, inside, outside player that's going to be difficult for them to keep track of. Nana Fallon is going to be difficult because he is a rim protector. Kimball McKenzie is going to be difficult because he has the outside shot and can shoot over the zone. And Stephen Brown is going to be difficult because he runs the show beautifully and doesn't turn the ball over. Conversely, Michigan State does turn the ball over. That's the biggest problem they've got. But they're also playing two games essentially at home. Now, everyone knew as a 14 seed you were going to get somebody really good as a 13, or excuse me, as a 3. I mean, everyone knew that. I think you were concerned the other day it might be Michigan, right? And, you know, you go out and... You're going to get a tough matchup anyway. It's the national championship tournament. Well, Bucknell is not going to be easy for Michigan State, but conversely, Bucknell's going to have to work like it's not the greatest matchup in terms of personnel matchups out there. And Jackson is the is to me is the guy that I cannot tell you what kind of game you're going to get from Jackson. I can't. It it, it is. He is a guy where I see the natural gifts. And, and the stats will show you he's like, like a 40% three-point shooter. And he is, does he has a funky shot. I mean, really funky shot. Like, really? That's his shot? Um, you know, Ward is pure post-up. He, pl- he parks himself on that block. And, you, I mean, you cannot move him. Uh but that I mean, 
And the guy you got to worry about, to me, of all the guys they have that they bring off the bench, you really got to worry about. Matt McQuaid is the guy you got to worry about. McQuaid's playing much better defensively, and McQuaid is a really good outside shooter. Now, let's get to the next part. Okay, The next part's a really big part in all of this. Okay? Nobody knows how the Big Ten teams are going to react to being off for two weeks. Nobody knows. They're going to be off 12 days. They could come back absolutely refreshed. Michigan State could come back absolutely rusty. Or there could be no change at all. None. And by the way, Jackson was talking about his three-point shot. In the last one, two, three, five games, he is three for 18 from outside the mark. Dick from Milton. Dick, how are you today? I'm good, Steve. Two, two, well, one or two quick questions about Michigan and not about Bucknell, but they lost four games. I'm not. I didn't go through their record to see who they lost to. I'm assuming somewhere in the Big Ten. What kind of team did it take to beat them, or was it just they just played poorly on a given night? Michigan State down the stretch. I'll be honest with you, Dick. Played okay, but not great. Uh, in the tournament. They had to fight like heck against Wisconsin to beat them. Now, Wisconsin slows the game down. Wisconsin does a good job of playing at their pace. And not only that, it was also back-to-back games because they ended the season at Wisconsin. Then they had to play them again. And Wisconsin had a little momentum from beating Maryland the day before. Against Michigan, I fully expected Michigan to win and win comfortably. Really, I did. Dick and I both thought that. And they did. Michigan beat them comfortably. Now, they went on a 13-game winning streak. Okay? Since November 14th, Michigan State has lost to Duke, Ohio State, and Michigan twice. So what's beaten them are teams that can get the floor spread, create difficult matchups like Mo Wagner. They can't match up with Mo Wagner. Wagner's an inside-out player. They could not match up with him, and that was a big problem. In fact, Michigan should have had the lead at halftime. Wagner had a really tough first half. He didn't hit any shots, and in the second half, he hit every shot, and Michigan State could not handle him at all. When Penn State played in Michigan and Michigan State, weren't they ahead or played well against one of them for a half and then... Really Penn State well. led Penn State led Michigan State by 12 with about 14 15 minutes to go and lost by 8. Yeah, I thought they I thought they played very well against uh, one of the two out, yeah. out there on the road. Yeah, it was Mich- Michigan State. It was Michigan State out there. Yeah. So, well, you know what I told one of the coaches yesterday? Nobody entered a t- tournament undefeated. So, if somebody somebody can always beat you. I that's my point. Well, Not a good point, but but they don't lose very often. I know that. They're very athletic. Well, well the, the, here's a similarity between at-large teams and every team in the NIT. You know what they both have in common? They're both coming off. All of them are coming off losses. Bucknell isn't. Bucknell is coming off victories. Uh, that's why you see some of these conference champions that go into games like these. Look, they feel good about themselves. They've been winning. Michigan State is coming off a loss. And not only that. Even though they're twenty nine and four, they didn't play well. I mean, well, you know, remember twenty one out of the last twenty three or something yeah, like that. So. Exactly. 
Now, the Northwestern game... Northwestern game was the first tip-off in all this. Remember, Northwestern was up 27 on Michigan State. And Michigan State rallied and won. Well, Michigan State has sort of played that way the last two and a half weeks. Uh, I don't think Bucknell's the type of team to slow anybody down, though. I mean, play, play slow against them. That's not their style. Oh, no, that's not no, no. Bucknell wants to move the ball up and down the floor, and that's what Michigan State wants to, too. Michigan State yeah, wants to move. that's what they want them to do. So, I mean, maybe, yeah. maybe it won't be uh, be a good matchup in that way. Uh, yeah, and the, the other problem is, again, if Ward stays in the game, it's not the fact that Ward, Ward is almost impossible to move off the block. I mean, he, physically, he's going to be a completely different player than anybody Bucknell's seen in terms of how he is built. The difference is is that Jackson's 6'11", and then there's Bridges, now, which would be tough to begin with. But now you've got this block of granite down there that you can't move with guys around them that are other options. Well, it is what it is. I, and I don't know where they're going to go with Bruce Moore. I'd like to see him. He's set for the last three games. He's 6'8". I'd like to see him. Because he, he's more physical inside than some of the Bucknell guys. You know. Uh, that's the point. All right. They're gonna play the game no matter what I think. Hey, I, I think look, there are a lot of there. If they can turn Michigan State over again, is Michigan State rusty? They haven't played in two weeks. Hey, normally the Big Ten tournament ended this past weekend, right? You're at least into the flow of something. They've done nothing for twelve days. Yeah, as I said, I think they might be looking past Bucknell too. We'll see. Well, they better not. But if you're just saying, like, eyeball test in terms of what I've seen, right, I guess I'm probably the person that's seen more of Michigan State in person than anybody here. So <laughs> so I got a pretty decent read on them. And I just, I, when I, as soon as I saw that, I went, oh, no, that's not going to help Bucknell. But, hey, you're right, they got to play. There are a lot of places to get insurance coverage, but only one place in the Susquehanna Valley ready to put four generations of experience to work for you. Hi, I'm Adam Purdy. At Purdy Insurance, we take the time to talk with you and find the right coverage for your needs. Everyone's situation is unique, so our approach is to customize coverage to best protect you. Whether it's home, auto, or business insurance solutions you need, call, email, or stop in to see how our commitment to personal service can help protect what matters to you. You know what the best thing about Sunbury Motors Kia is? Hmm, I got nothing. Hey, you're right. Uh, I'm right? Yep, you said nothing. I'm confused. Nothing is the best thing about Sunbury Motors Kia? Yep. I'm still confused. At Sunbury Motors Kia, it's all for nothing. Zero zilch nothing. No interest for up to 75 months on all new Kias. So nothing is something at Sunbury Motors Kia. Nothing in March at SMC. Get 0% financing for up to 75 months on 2018 Kia Fortes, Optimus, Portages, and Sereno. 0% financing for 66 months on 2018 Kia Souls and Sedonas. And 0% for 60 months on 2018 Kia Rios and Neros. And all include Kia's 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty. Sunbury Motors Kia on the Strip in Hummel's Wharf. Financing offers available to qualified buyers through AMF Financing. In lieu of rebate, excludes Kia Stinger and Cadenza. Warranty is a limited powertrain warranty. For details, see retailer go to Kia.com. 
Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. The Purdy's have served this valley for decades. Finding you the right insurance, right price. Auto, home, life, business, whatever it may be. And if you need to claim, well, guess what? They will jump right in as if it happened to them. They're your partner. Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. The insurance professionals. I'm in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. couple of notes on selection, and this has nothing, zero, to do with Penn State. All right? This is not me saying, oh, Penn State should be in over this team or that team. No. But this is what I didn't like about the selection yesterday. Let's start with this. I mean, there are three primary teams, and maybe even a fourth that I look at, fourth being maybe Texas. But Syracuse, Arizona State, and Oklahoma. It is if the opening, excuse me, it is if the final two-thirds of the season didn't count. That only one-third of the season seemed to count. Over and over again, we kept hearing about body of work. Okay, fair. That's fine. I'm, I'm all for body of work. I'm all for it. Right? What's your full body of work look like? Well, you do know that the final two-thirds of the season, which is your conference season usually, is also a critical part of your, quote, body of work. They put Oklahoma not just into the field, but comfortably into the field. And they went 4-11 and 11 in their last 15 games. Are you kidding me? 15 games is almost half their schedule. And they went 4-11. and 11. Arizona State, to their credit, got off to a great start. Started out 12-0. Fabulous. Go as high as third in the country. They went 8-11 and 11 in their last 19 games. I mean, are you putting, in reality, the best teams into the tournament? And then there's Syracuse. Okay. Somebody explain that to me. Now, I realize that it is very interesting, we'll leave it at that, that Oklahoma State, which beat Kansas twice, and oh, by the way, beat Oklahoma twice, head-to-head, which means one of those wins was not in Stillwater. And they get into, they're not put in. USC, the number two seed that made the championship game, right? by the way, in the Pac-12, while Arizona State lost in the opening round, they didn't get in. Louisville, which advanced and then finally lost big in the quarterfinals, they didn't get in. So let me at least ask 
the proper question here. What do all three of those have in common in terms of the recent headlines of college basketball? Okay. Okay, Now let's get into the Syracuse body of work. What has always been the issue with Syracuse's non-conference schedule? They play almost every game at home. Well, they play 13 games. 13 games in the non-conference schedule. And of the 13 games they played in the non-conference schedule, they played 10 of the 13 at home. They played two neutral court games against Kansas, which they lost 76-60, and UConn, which they won 72-63 on neutral floors. And they played one pure away game And that was Georgetown. Yeah. They played Georgetown. They won in overtime. That's it. Their non-conference included. If we, again, we're told full body of work now. We're told over and over again, full body of work. Well, here's the full body of work by Syracuse. Cornell, Iona, Texas Southern, Oakland, Toledo. Then the ACC Challenge game with Maryland which they won 72-70 at home. Okay. Lost by 16 to Kansas, beat UConn, Colgate, Georgetown, Buffalo, which made the tournament. Buffalo's a good team. Lost at home to St. Bonaventure, which made the tournament, and Eastern Michigan. That's their non-con. Hmm. Sounds like the 27 Yankees, doesn't it? Then once they got into conference play, they opened up with a win against Virginia Tech, of course, at home. Then when they were finally forced to play some road games, they started losing. In the next 17 games, they went 7-10. and 10. And finished out at 8-11. and 11. No, that's not right. Where'd they go here? They went, yeah, they went seven and ten their last seventeen games. Which means they went eight and eleven in their last nineteen games. Now the Wake Forest game, big win. The win at home over Clemson was pretty big for them. Snapped a three-game losing streak. But I mean, they're going to play Arizona State in uh, in Dayton coming up on Wednesday night. Uh, you know, it's like they make up all this stuff as they go. Body of work. Okay, Cornell, Iona. Yeah, I know Iona made the tournament. Texas Southern, yeah, they made the tournament. I mean, they play actually played some teams that made the tournament from smaller conferences with automatic bids. Buffalo. you got to be kidding me. They play almost every game at home, and they don't exactly exert themselves. I don't know. I just felt like they were making stuff up as they went with this thing. 
mean, this full body of work thing, the Oklahoma thing just really bothers me. I mean, Oklahoma was not playing good basketball for almost two months. I don't care who they beat. It's almost like what they did in November and December was far more important than what they did in January and February. Once you start conference play, you end up playing almost two-thirds of your schedule against this group of teams. Well, if you're playing in a Power 5 conference, that two-thirds is going to have some meat on the bone. Oklahoma couldn't beat those teams. And they showed it over and over and over and over again. If you're Oklahoma State, and I know what their problems are with the FBI, got that. If you're Oklahoma State, you beat Kansas twice, and then head-to-head with the team you're allegedly fighting it out for, you beat them twice. Really? Arizona State started out 12-0. and What did they do down the stretch? Conference record 8-10. and yeah, lost the opening round. They went eight and eleven. Yeah, the whole Oklahoma Oklahoma State thing. <laughs> I mean, I think the only reason why Oklahoma is in that tournament, I'll give you two words: Trey Young. And you and I talked off air about that last week of, uh, you know, he and his family's intentions. Uh, let's just say to not, uh, you know, spend too much longer in Oklahoma. So. And again, you should not put a team in because of a player. Well, I'm, I'll be I, honest with you. I, I mean, I've watched him play. In the beginning of the season, I watched him. He was brilliant. He is tired. He looks like, a, like an 18, 19-year-old kid that's played more basketball and practiced longer than ever before. His shot doesn't look good. He's not, he's not as sharp with his game. He's now taking more shots than points. He looks exhausted. Well, he's exhausted because he's had one strength. He's had half, half, not one. He's had half a strength and conditioning cycle in his lifetime. That was during the summertime. That's it. I mean, he. I mean, to be honest with you, he is going to go back. He's going to go to the NBA draft. Everybody knows that. But he really needs to go back to school for two more years. Not one, two more years. Yeah, I mean, he needs he, he needs he needs to put some muscle on that body. Yeah, if he needs right, to. right now, right now, his tank is empty. Yeah, I mean, if 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 he if he's barely had the training you brought up, I mean, and then you know, then leave and go to an eighty-two game grind. Nah, if he'd be able more, to last, it's more spread out. But you, I mean, you look at him. He's just, I mean, look, everybody's built in different ways. I talked about Nick Ward before. Uh, Nick Ward is, I mean, I, I mean that that that's a two-legged wall. I mean, you go into that, and you're like, ooh. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a powerfully built guy. So everybody's built differently. I mean, Ward was like that last year too, as a freshman. But you look at Trey Young, and guess what? It's just, I mean. I've I've watched him play down the stretch because they were on TV so many times. And you know what? You look at it over and over again, and you're saying to yourself, "Um, I don't see it. And I don't see it with that team. Last year, if you recall last year, just so everyone knows, to be fair about it, so everyone understands this. Remember last year, I had almost no complaints about the tournament selection. I said, you know, you could quibble about this one or quibble about that one, but that's about it. I thought they pretty much got it right last year. You know, you can argue about anybody. 
right? But this year, I don't see it. I, I just feel like this year, they. I think they did what you talked about, and I don't want to say that. It's not like I didn't, you know, you know, hadn't met some people along the way that I like and respect, and gave me some really good answers about what they were looking for with all this. But I, it's like I finally come to the realization that this is a TV show, and and. And it just makes you wonder, okay, yeah, we're going to pick this team over this team, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Which one's going to move the meter? Again, here's my big problem. What's going on here with all this? And this is a big problem. Is that Oklahoma's a 10. Oklahoma played 33 games this year. Does that sound right? 33 games? I don't know if you have that in front of you or not. I can get it. But I thought they played, I want to say 33 games. And if that's the case, the last 15 of them, they're 4-11. That's not quite half the schedule, but that's a chunk of it. I mean that. I, I, I mean, you're you're telling me that I know what their full body of work says, but the last two months also can is part of your body of work, isn't it? I don't. I, I don't get it. I flat out I flat out don't get it. A Arizona State don't get it. Eight and eleven. I know they started great, but guess what? I mean, once they started facing teams that are familiar with them, they didn't win. Oklahoma's record. Oklahoma is eighteen and thirteen. Yeah, 30, 18 and thirteen. So it's eighteen. It had to be eighteen and fourteen, yep. because they had to have lost a game in the tournament, right? So they're eighteen and fourteen. So they play thirty-two games. So the last fifteen of those thirty-two, they're four and eleven. And you're telling me that that there a committee thinks that they are on a roll that they can win the national championship, huh? Arizona State, eight and eleven. Really? Are you sure about that? USC ends up being the second seed. Doesn't quite play the same non-con. You know, and then the other argument is about um, boy, the little guy, the mid-major boy. They don't have much of a chance in this quad system. Well, guess what? That is a big problem. Let's go back to my original statement. When you play two-thirds of your schedule against Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue, Nebraska, Maryland, you know, you're playing two-thirds of your schedule against people like that instead of playing two-thirds of your schedule against Portland, San Francisco, Santa Clara. I mean, 
if Penn State played that schedule, nobody would buy tickets. Nobody. If Penn State's playing St. Mary's, San Francisco, Santa Clara, Portland, University of San Diego, not San Diego State, University of San Diego, exactly where's the season ticket base for that? They'd be ripped up one side. If that was Penn State's non-conference schedule, they'd be ripped up one side and down the other. Well, that's who St. Mary's plays for two-thirds of the year. And remember this. While playing a great, while playing a conference schedule in Power Five, while playing a power a conference schedule in the Power Five, you do have more opportunities to win your way into the field. But also, let's not forget because of the, because of the teams you're playing, there are also more opportunities to lose and knock yourself out of the field, as opposed to having it handed to you in a silver platter and hope you don't stumble against San Francisco. Which, by the way, St. Mary's did. I mean, again, I mean that's the you know, oh the little guy we got to. I mean, did you see Middle Tennessee State schedule? If Penn State played that schedule, people would be if, if that was Penn State's non-conference schedule, all the complaints would be about what a lousy schedule it is. Yet for two months, two and a half months, that's what Middle Tennessee State's been playing. I mean, there's got to be some real realism when it comes to this. Again, the opportunity to win your way in against quality competition is absolutely there for a Power 5 team, but there's also exponentially more opportunities to lose compared to a mid-major team. There's more opportunities to lose. All right, we'll come back. Bob Nightingale on the Phillies' big move with Jake Arietta, final half hour here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Purdy Insurance.